No randoms. Welcome back to the No Randoms podcast on the Comic-Con Radio Network. It's a very exciting day. We have, for the first time in a little bit, first time in a while, we've got a studio guest with us, right? We figure we're in new form. We're feeling fresh, so we're going to dig in and keep the content moving. You know what I mean? So we'd like to give a big No Randoms welcome to Jarrell Bell. What's up, my boy? How are we doing? Thanks for having me. Wonderful. We got Jarrell. We got Anton. We got Shad. Four mics on the pod. But excited to uh, do a little interview access here. So like we were saying, um, you know, I know you pretty well. We work together on a daily basis really now. Yep. I talk to you all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're fresh for the guys. And so that was fun, Anton. I seen you doing a little bit of research there and going back to the back. So I got to see, I don't even know, maybe teenage Jarrell. I've seen some YouTube maybe. channels. Maybe. Okay. to get some subscribers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I figure we'll take it back, you know. Uh, maybe introduce yourself and you know, tell us where you're from, what you're about, and uh, then we'll get into what you're playing these days. And boy, else feel free to jump in wherever. It's all new to you. For mm-hmm. sure. Well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm from Washington. I've been within the gaming space since I can remember starting out with FPSs, Call of Duty, Battlefield, the usual. Um, it wasn't until like 13, 14 where like I first started seeing like competitive gaming, like the MLG series, um, like the Dota 2, Halo, Call of Duty events like in Columbus and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? I play video games every day. I can be those people like they're the same age as me. Like I play the same games as them. Let me try it. So for like the next five years, I was like really into trying to be a professional Call of Duty player. Uh, but obviously it did not work out at all. I was not as good as I thought I was. Um, but then I started seeing people run around with cameras and stuff like that. And I loved making YouTube videos, as you guys apparently have seen, uh, streaming. So I started saying, hey, I can mesh my two passions together, uh, video games and, you know, content creation. And this is, you know, how I got to where I am today. Man, you got some throwbacks in there too. I got, admittedly, you're uh, further into the esports space than we are. We talk about that a lot. Like, this is not an esports podcast. It's like a general, truly like general gaming. We're all in our 30s now. I'm like a whole 31, but you know, we see like the memes of like played some 30 year old after his long day at work. <laughs> we fully embrace that. We're like, yeah, that's us. So if you could take it easy, we're not not sweats, but still, we, we embrace the joke there. So mm-hmm. sounds like you go back a, a little bit. And so excited to get into some of that stuff. I don't know how much you guys know about MLG or or Dota. I think I went to like the last MLG event ever. Not not really, but no. I was gonna say I'm a little jealous, man, because I was too scared to always make that leap. Uh, no, <laughs> I, was I like, didn't you know, care. I didn't I, I was, care I was, at I all. I feel like that's one of those things where it's like you know you see like the worst NBA player and you're like, man, I bust his ass, and then you go <laughs> go play against him and you're like, damn, it's better than I exactly. thought. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like these kids are like skipping school to play Call of Duty for a weekend. Like, why can't I do that? Right. You guys remember yeah, the Bobcats? Funny. The Charlotte Bobcats? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, so there's this guy that went to my high school that was literally the last player on the bench at the Bobcats. So the worst player on the worst team. And he came back one day. We had just we had just won the league and everything. We thought we were it. Oh, my. This white dude came back. He didn't miss a single shot. Not a single bucket. He started playing left-handed. I just <laughs> You stirred up some memories there because that shit is a fact, bro. You think you're it, then you go play like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh. Oh, you can ball ball. Facts, facts. Okay, well, again, before we get back into the super far back, um, there's one place we always start every week, which helps keep us kind of fresh and get us warmed up. What are you playing right now? Right now, I recently just got back into playing uh, Valorant, um, Call of Duty. I stay away from Warzone because I play way too like fast. I can play in pubs, so I just die the second I drop in. Um, <laughs> and a little bit of 2K. I've been getting back into uh, just playing 2K, the online, playing against other people. Uh, and like the my court too. My court's a lot of fun. Bam. The guy's just been teaching me like we just I just bit the bullet and went ahead and let them like walk me through my build and get through the whole I have been off since like maybe two K twenty. Same. I haven't 19. played in like three, four years, yeah. It is so different. I got it. He was like, Yeah, go ahead and uh, ride over to the mall real quick and I was like, The mall. We just talked about this on the last pod, but it is a way different game. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was, like, for, I think, three months, I think they might have shut it down, but you could, like, work inside 2K, like, the park. Like, the Foot Lockers, the, um, like, the shoe stores, you could, like, be an employee for, like, a, a day or something like that. It was crazy. Oh, my God. I think I no. saw something about that. Anton, you ever run up on any uh, any real, real employees in there? They get their sales going? <laughs> Only my boy, uh, Jake from State Farm. Oh, God. Fair enough. 
<laughs> Honestly, you should get paid for that, for that service, y'all. They had to tell me where to get right. my tattoos right. You know what I mean? How to put my shoes on. I it's ended up in ecosystem the in there. 2K shoes. That's a real metaverse for real. For real. It's it, when I, you know, when I talk about that in the business setting, that's the still I say, this is it. This is the best example of the metaverse of what a walled world looks like mm-hmm. with, with a culture, right? It truly encapsulates a whole culture, which I think is special. Uh, I see you digging around in my notes. Um, right. But I figure, you know, let's take us back to the beginning, at least, at least of your career. Right. So you, you kind of told us about your inspirations. One thing that might help quickly, if you don't mind. How old are you? I just turned 25 in October. See? See the young bug? I was thinking that when Anton was like, you know, I was kind of, you know, I thought about that. But honestly, it, you know, it was a little bit different if you think about how much gaming changed. You know, five years is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Even five, six, seven years, Anton? Yes, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty significant in, in terms of, you know, the gaming and specifically professional gaming. Mm-hmm. So even then, yeah. you know, the landscape probably looked a little bit different. I mean... I wonder how old if you how old were you when Instagram came out? Honestly, I can't remember. Probably still high school. Oh, I wasn't yeah. man. I remember that shit. That's crazy. <laughs> we didn't have Instagram until I was like into college. Yeah, I was twenty-two, I think, when Instagram. Came right, out. Yeah, we, I think we, I was we like sixteen or something. <laughs> I remember being in my dorm room, like tweeting like Facebook statuses, like trying to be clever for the girl, like tweeting tweeting Drake lyrics, trying to be clever and stuff. Now I look back like, oh. and then also there was a whole era of Snapchat. Where I just lost memories. There's like a three, two and a half, three year period mm-hmm. of just photos I don't have on my phone because everything was on Snapchat and then now I don't use it. Yeah, bro. I had Snapchat with the original four locos. So how do you think I feel? Oh, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's probably for the best. Yeah, well, we used to go to rave raves and we had the real four loco. That shit was, we had four locos, the real one, my freshman year of college. So we were turning it up. Those are weapons. Absolutely weapons. 100%. No one should have that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So go ahead and tell us how you got started in in at least the gaming industry, and then correct me if I'm wrong. You had a little bit of a non traditional path, right? You were talk about the prodigy. You were moving pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went from high school and you got your degree at the same time. I think you mm-hmm. said so. You moving pretty pretty fast, right? Yeah. So like the it's funny because I tell everyone this story and like they don't expect this to be the reason at all why I wanted to just be done with school so fast. First of all, like a lot of people, I hated school terribly. So like the sole reason why I did the whole like accelerated program, like going to college and high school at the same time was just because I wanted to be done with school as fast as possible to get back to playing video games. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so in Washington, there's this program where you can um, go to college your sophomore year of high school and you can take college credits and high school classes at the same time. And I saw that as an opportunity to, you know, be done with school at least as much as I want it to be by 18. So I can focus, you know, that window of, you know, the two to four years people would traditionally go to college to focus on like being a professional Call of Duty player. Um, But obviously that didn't work out. So that was like my transitional period to start being a content creator. And that's when I bought my first camera. I think I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods at the time and also the movie theater. So I was working two jobs, like fund my content creation career and i was going to events i think i was spending like six seven hundred dollars to go to these events but at the time there was no such thing as like rates for like you know photos or as you know team photography team videography uh just making content for for teams at the time and nothing was as big as is today you know franchising all that stuff in esports so teams are just you know paying people out of like their own pocket like no one had like you know funders or you know investors was all just like random kids working jobs uh you know (laughs) trying to make the dream happen so i was getting paid like 50 60 bucks to like take photos of a team for the weekend but like depleting my bank account but at the end of the day i was like you know what if i keep doing this and grinding it out it's gonna happen um and then about 2018 and i'll stop here uh, that's when uh, Overwatch League started. And that was like, you know, the, the big boom of like the franchising. Now, you know, there's Valorant. Uh, Rocket League might get into franchising. So at that time, everyone was hiring. You know, franchising was like, oh, this $25, $50 million, you know, buy-in league. Like people have to have staff and, you know, retainers. So that's kind of how I got my start in, you know, the esports world. What was the what was the first, like, when's the first time you were like, this is my job? Like, what's the first gig you had? Uh, the first gig I had, um, well, NRG was my first job, and that was for the San Francisco Shock, the Overwatch team. And I remember doing interviews, and I think the last interview I was with uh, Andy Miller, the CEO, 
he's a super cool guy, but I remember that phone call. He was like, yeah, you got the job. Um, you're going to come out to Burbank, live with the team. And like hearing like living in California and like, you know, thinking of Hollywood, you know, entertainment, especially like 18, 19, like mm -hmm. that was like, you know, mind blowing. And like that first day flying there, I remember it was one of the um, the games. I went to one of the games with my dad and I was meeting the players, meeting the owners and stuff like that. And that was like the first true experience of like, wow, like I've been seeing this on my TV screen for so long. Like I'm actually here. Like this is like a, you know, a experience. It was crazy. And you got to bring Pop with you too. That's a yeah. moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, see, I told you, I told you. That's what I was saying. <laughs> not that he's not a believer, but still, I had to go to my first. Uh, I think Faze brought me out like five or six years ago. Now, mm -hmm. my first e event, and they're like, they're like, Kev, you're in town. I was here for something, something else, and they're like, dude, you just got to see it with your eyes. Like, you just, I need you to see this, yep. and it totally changed. Like that day, completely changed my career path. Right, I wouldn't be here without it for sure. But like, you got to see it. You got to see it in real life to really feel that. And I think it's really cool for like people like in the twenties and you know, their teens because they, their parents see them in the room just playing video games all day long. But then they finally go to an event where people are winning, you know, huge lump sums of money, like headlines and newspapers, articles, like it's a whole different experience seeing, you know, just on your, your son's TV or at their phone or something like that. And yep. it's interesting. We talk about the, the timing, like we were talking about ages and how that affects thing. Right. And so like to think about, if you're 19 then and it was just happening like that like you said franchising was just mm -hmm. starting it's like that really was the first opportunity you know i mean there were guys like you know you see ninja and like courage and them grinding it out way back on like mm -hmm. halo like halo and stuff like that but it wasn't the same where it was really starting to like take shape and you know, yeah. just had to get franchised and have full arenas where you go there and it feels like sports right that's the mm -hmm. big thing for me when i bring clients too is like it's it feel you have to understand that it feels just like sports sports because it is sports it is and i think too like with the whole like arenas and like selling out venues and stuff like that i always tell people if you really want to see like what true esports is like of course you know the call of duties the overwatch is like the mainstream esports but like the biggest uh events are the rocket leagues the counter strikes like those events are like pandemonium like those are honestly what i think is true esports People losing their minds in the crowds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the chance. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. You're we talking about Activision Blizzard shutting down in, in China. You saw that? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. We're like, man, that, that's where teams go. Like China, we had some teams when I was at Adidas, we had some teams in Korea. Yeah. Like they go, like that is sports. sports. That's their mainstream. Mm hmm. Right, right. You can really feel it, man. It's, it gets pretty crazy out there. Dude, between that and WoW shutting down out there, I'm, I'm sure a few of them are ready to. Oh, they're down bad. You give it up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's spy balloon over here. They're trying to watch esports, man. They're trying to get some, mm -hmm. some games. You know what I mean? Um, I <laughs> so I didn't know you were at, at at NRG. Maybe I did actually. You have a pretty solid collection of, of jerseys now that I think about it. But I never mm -hmm. know if you worked there or not. So what are what are the orgs you worked with? And maybe in order, if you can. Yeah. So I won't go that far into detail of like the. I would say the amateur teams that I worked on before franchising started, but there was a few just Call of Duty teams um, here and there. Then my first real job was NRG, specifically for the Overwatch League team, the Shock. Um, then from there, I went to AEV, which was the holding company for Atlanta Reign, the Overwatch team, and then later uh, partnered with FaZe Clan to make Atlanta FaZe. So on NRG, I was really just a content creator, just making content for the brand that was already created. But what was really cool about AEV was that I started from the very beginning because it was one of the expansion teams in 2019. So I built that brand like from zero, like the the branding, the content, like helping uh, manage the players. Like I was really like a huge integral part. And that was like such a big um, experience for me, just one career wise and also just like life wise, just learning so many cool skills and meeting new people, like traveling everywhere. It was so cool. And then from there, um, I realized that I couldn't make, you know, Call of Duty content forever. Like it's cool and it's fun, but there's so there's only so many videos I can make of, hey guys, here's my class set up. Like, let's get right into the video. So I went from there to 100 Thieves um, to also head their Call of Duty division of content, but also be part of like the YouTube strategy and the development of the of the content for, for digital programs. And then from there, um, Subnation working with Kevin. Right. 
Okay, okay. I was just I had to check first before I got into some of the questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe he's been more places than I re- How old is this man? Uh, maybe you've been it's more been a places. Lot. But good. So then it was phase first. So then mm-hmm. you were in Burbank and then mm-hmm. you moved out to Atlanta, I imagine? Yeah, so Burbank uh, for energy. And then um, we lived in a country club, funny enough, for, <laughs> for Atlanta Rain. So we lived in Thousand Oaks. That place was beautiful. Um, and then we moved from there to Atlanta because that's when the home market activation was starting where people were having the home series and the home stands. So I moved right. to Atlanta. I lived there for three years. That was a lot of fun. Way different from the West Coast. Completely different. Yeah. Um, and then from there, back to the L.A. I yeah, like completely well. different. Completely different. That's an experience. Mm-hmm. We're out there with the y'alls. We were over in the South, gosh, maybe a year and a half ago now, but we took we were out there for a friend's wedding. And that was the first, like, I took Anton to, like, all black towns for the first yeah. time. Like, <laughs> it was like, whoa. Completely different. That show, yeah, it is such mm-hmm. a different experience. And again, spending time uh, up in, like, that Tacoma area, you won't find that. Not at all. <laughs> Honestly, nowhere in, in Washington either. I'm about to say, yeah, that's a lot of uh, culture extremes there. From yeah. Washington to California to Atlanta. Polar back opposites, up. yep. <laughs> right, right. I've been in Piala, man. That's not what it looks like. Not that mm-hmm. fair. Um, so, uh, okay. So energy, then phase, then a hundred thieves. Right. So yep. it sounds like, I mean, even at, that's the beginning of CDL, right? You were there mm-hmm. for the beginning of this kind of this era of CDL. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. How CDL how and Overwatch. I started a little later after the league started, but, but for both leagues respectively. Damn, that's like an important experience. Overwatch mm-hmm. league was my shit. It was huge. Which Call of Duty was it that jumped off the Call of Duty League? I, I didn't I didn't look it up, but I'm curious if you um, remember. Black Ops Four was the last CWL um, title, and then it got into Modern Warfare, the the first remake. That's the last event mm-hmm. I went to. I went to the last CWL event. It wasn't a name. The Black Ops Four one was the, the whole season, like Champs, like all those events, London, like those are great. We joke about like I just wandered. I'm like a music guy, like wandered in there, and I walked in with Doc, and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> You can imagine seeing him for the first time, and I was like, look at this. Just a seven-foot guy just towering over everyone. I was like, look at this dork. Like, what? Like, Because <laughs> he had his headset on and his little thing. I was like, this guy takes his shit so seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, you've never seen him before. And then we walk in together, and they pulled me in through, like, you know, whatever the VIP thing is. Yep. So we walk in together, and then we keep going in, and then he sits down at the broadcast booth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, like, oh. He's doing something. And yeah, he's I sat, somebody. I seen him up on the thing. And yeah, <laughs> years later, I'm like, oh, that was the two-time. Shit. That's fucking, that's my guy. But uh, that's the other joke, too. Every time I go, FaZe loses. I've seen FaZe lose to Thieves in the final, like, three times live. I think they're playing. Um, they're actually playing against each other today. As long as I don't watch, yeah. man. FaZe will be okay. <laughs> you can't jinx it. You can't jinx it's it. Delman. Uh, so you tell you told us a little bit about you know how you got the NRG job. How how did Phase come about? Did you find them? Did they find you? Yeah, so it was kind of both, um, but it was also just networking. Uh, lucky enough, the head coach for um, Atlanta Rain was also the head coach on the Shock, so I already had like an instant connection there. Uh, so I just reached out and said, "Hey, do you have you know the the contact for whoever's in charge of content or marketing or whatever?" Um, and then I shot him a. DM on Discord. That's how funny, you know, uh, getting jobs has come, just shooting Discord messages. <laughs> but uh, we just had a few conversations, and then um, I talked to the owner. And I think, like, I had my first interview and got hired on the same day. So it was a pretty quick process. Fast. And then this is the owner. This is Lee, like Lee and Eric? Or is this like Atlanta No, the, uh, his name is Paul, Paul Hamilton. He is the the uh, founder of AEV specifically Atlanta Esports Ventures, and that is um, Atlanta Rain, um, also partner of the Cox Enterprises, the internet company. And then um, he has a partnership with FaZe Clan for Atlanta FaZe. Cool guy. Yeah, no, sounds like it. Sounds like it. So you had a good time there. And again, that was that was a moment. I still have like, I have mad Atlanta FaZe. Just like, you see me at work sometimes. I just have yep. random Atlanta FaZe shirts. Mm-hmm. I was just, I'm like part of the team, man. I love those guys. That's um, great. What what's maybe like your most memorable experience with that crew? Um, definitely winning champs was really cool. I I see my ring right here. Uh, the owner gave like all of us champs rings, which was really cool. Um, I think when we first created the team, the first announcement, um, we made a video. We all flew to Las Vegas to announce the team, like the the owners, the players, their parents. 
Um, all of us were in Vegas for like a whole weekend. It was super cool. We also rented out this huge uh, production studio. It was all green screen. Uh, and we did a bunch of content for them and we announced the video of Offset um, doing the song. He had a feature in it and he like just got signed to FaZe Clan at the time. So it was like a huge like press opportunity. Um, but it was a super cool experience, like launching, you know, a team like me wanting to be in FaZe since I was like 12, 13 years old. And also, you know, working with FaZe Clan on the video, working with Offset, one of my favorite musicians. Um, it was just a cool experience. And I was like, wow, like this is something I'm going to remember for like the rest of my life. Yeah, that was dope. Cause I remember when that mm-hmm. happened too. So to know mm-hmm. that you were there when all that was going on is really yeah. dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so, super cool. He was super big at the time too. My man going with Cardi and everything. Yep, I remember yep. that, like teaching that moment at work, being like, "No, you guys, like this thing is happening." I mean, mm-hmm. uh, two two kind of randomest questions, but I got to know since you were there. One, were you a part of those like crazy seating packages? I got some of the wildest seating stuff. Like, I have like a full ghillie suit. I have like yes, a whole yeah. six foot. <laughs> What's funny yeah, is that, like, like um, was it the the brown crate with, like, the spray paint on yep. it? Yeah, that yeah, was like, the one like spray the painting thing. the logos and all that stuff. <laughs> That's hilarious. I have, like, the gas mask with the can on it. It's all yep. like Russian and shit. And it's like, oh, they really, you guys remember all those videos mm-hmm. I'd make. I remember, that. too, because, like, the coolest person I remember that we found out had the, the box was Trippy Red. He had, like, a music video wearing the, the face ghillie suit. And we were, like, all freaking out in the office. <laughs> I saved it. Like, I don't know when I'm going to, some Halloween or something like that. I don't know when I'm going to use this, what I'm going to do so with this funny. cool as shit. But I kept the gas mask for sure. I got it right mm-hmm. there. Just gotta keep it in my the gas my, mask was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, you guys had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. And then one that uh, is more more strategic or tactical, rather. But I've always been mad curious about this. Again, not an esports podcast. So when you say coaches, and I met, I met. Uh, do you know Zephyr? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's on um, OTF right now, right? OTF yeah, yeah, gamer. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I told you guys I knew I knew a guy for real. That's a real person. <laughs> uh, but I remember I met him at that that same event where I met Doc and Eric and all the guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was just I didn't want to be weird, but I was like, what a coaches? I think he was a manager at the time. And again, mm-hmm. we're you know sports guys. Like in the UK, the manager is the coach. So either way, what do the coaches do? And I mean, like again, tell me like I know nothing because I don't. What do the coaches do in like CDL? Are they in the player's ear, like telling them, you know, like what what's going on? Is it more like a training regimen? What's a what's a Call of Duty coach do? Yeah, so I mean, it's I would think it's pretty similar to how traditional sports coaches are um, to a certain degree, obviously. Well, um, you have the head coach, you have an assistant coach. Sometimes some teams have like an analyst or like um, like a player development coach that you know specifically works on certain things with the players. Say like for Call of Duty, they need to they need to get better at hard point or get better at search and destroy. Uh, those coaches, the player development, will specifically work on those skills with them. Um, the head coach normally works on you know the macro, the reviews, the VOD reviews after every match. Um, the top level assistant coaches and like strategy and analysis, like I think those are probably like the hardest working on the team because they have just spreadsheets and spreadsheets of data, like, you know, how to play the game. Like they're really in depth. And I think like that skill is really good to have because you can be on any team you want. You can do anything you want really in the Call of Duty space because I think those people can also be players to a certain degree. Um, but in terms of the like in the ear, like, yeah, during matches, they have halftime. So it's kind of like traditional sports where, you know, after, you know, I think two maps, they go back and they have a huddle. They go over, you know, how to go through the rest of the series. Um, they also are able to talk to them in between matches. So after map one, they'll go on stage, have a little pep talk. Uh, map two, have a little pep talk. Map three, same thing. So they have a lot of communication. And I think, honestly, like without coaches, like, Gun skill can win you games, but I think really the strategy behind it is what wins you championships. That's wild, interesting. And, mm-hmm. and like, and again, legit didn't know that. So, are there? I wonder, are there coaches like that are like? Is, is there a coach that's like that? Like that guy's a difference maker, right? We think of like, uh, like with you know in in Jordan days, right? We got Phil, yeah. or even in in soccer, we got Pep, where there's like that coach is is as valuable as so and so many players. Are there coaches like that? Yeah, I think that's cool too because I'll, the majority of coaches actually right now are also players, but there is also a wide amount of coaches that have been uh, Call of Duty champions when they're playing in their playing days. Um, on phase, you have Crowder. Um, he's won champs as a player and as a coach, so he's super respected. I think he's super smart and he's great at what he does 
um, 100 Thieves, J-Cap. He's won champs multiple times as a player, and he just won champs as a coach last year. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those two are probably the best, in my opinion. You also have Rambo and Optic, who's just known as like one of the smartest players in Call of Duty history. So there's a lot of teams that have just like great brains behind the team, and then and it shows in the gameplay. So I think it's really cool having like that repertoire of a, of a coach on your team. This is cool to know. All right, two more coach mm. questions, and this is not the coach's <laughs> podcast. But I'm like, oh, this is the coach's great. corner. Right? We got coach's corner. Are there any coaches that are like ill, not even Call of Duty, right? Ill mm-hmm. esports coaches that were not good players. So you see that in the NFL a lot. You see that in across sports, really, where it's like that guy wasn't even a pro, mm-hmm. but is still a really great mind. Does that ever happen? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that they were like necessarily bad players because I think esports has a lot to do with just like popularity and like brand building. Like you could be, you know, a low tier player, but also have like the biggest brand and vice versa. Um, but I think players that really haven't had that much success as a player, um, Cinder is a great coach. I believe he's on NYSL. Um, and I think they're like the best team in the league right now next to um, probably LA Thieves. And then, um, there's one other coach, Joey Nubsey, I believe. He's a really good coach as well. But I think players and coaches, I think if you're not as good as a player, but you also build a brand, you can either stay on the team as a content creator, and that provides way more value, I think, than you know being a player. Especially if you're not, you're not performing and you want to do something more than just being a player, you think your time's running out. Like being a coach and having that success is you know, just as equally as important. I need to bring you back on for the deep dive esports pod. <laughs> Questions. Last one. The last one I'll stay here on, unless you guys got more, of course, uh, is are there assistant coaches? As you were talking about, we talk about that a lot. Like it's, you can't just be, like you said, the best with gun skill or the best at mm-hmm. one thing. The games are very different. If you're playing hard point, deathmatch, whatever it is, are there like, are, are there different coaches for the different like games? Like kind of like, like a position coaches. When you were saying that, I was like, is that like a quarterback's coach? Yeah. Like, yeah. Coach? Kind of. Yeah. So, I'll just speak for FaZe since I know that the most. Um, Tupac, he is a um, S&D specialist, but he also is a streamer and content creator. But his full name is Tupac Thuglord, and his name is John, but he's a super cool guy. Um, his, I just, his name makes me laugh every time I hear it. But um, he specifically is the S&D coach. Um, so Crowder and um, RJ, they're the head and uh, assistant coaches. They work on the respawn. And of course, S&D too, the full game, but Tupac is really like their strategy coach. And the most strategy comes from search and destroy, how you rotate, right. how you trade kills, how you, you know maneuver around the map. So I think having like people who are really good at what they've already done in gameplay wise be like their core specific niche of coaching. I think that is probably one of the coolest things that I've seen in coaching for Call of Duty specifically. Also wild, interesting. That's just saying it's hard to watch. What's up? Mm-hmm. If, if you don't mind, I kind of want to piggyback off that, but it would kind of be a little... So, because because I remember seeing a, a video back where uh, there was a guy saying, you know, kind of be the opposite of this, where coaches mm-hmm. are like unnecessary in esports. Mm-hmm. So, to, I guess to kind of be like, is do you think that coaches are more necessary in different games, like like in like Valorant? Do you think it would be more necessary to have a coach than Call of Duty or yeah. like uh, like Rainbow Six, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that? Like like, is there different tier games that you would think where coaches are more valuable? Yeah, I think of those strategic games like the Valorant, CS, uh, Rainbow Six, coaches for sure on like the strategy side. For Call of Duty, I think just because, one, the game changes every year, and mm-hmm. also, like, the game modes also change every year, people kind of have a hard way of saying, like, oh, coaches are needed for this, coaches aren't needed because, like, the game's different every year, like, no one can actually have a set strategy, and also mm-hmm. because there was also a span where we didn't have coaches at all in Call of Duty. They were just going on stage and playing. Like, they were just coaching themselves. So there's really, like, no real say. But in my opinion, I think they're needed just because, like, if you're a player, like, all you're doing is playing the game. You can't really see, like, how you're doing from an outside perspective, from someone watching, you know, the four of you go as a team and how you guys play as a team. Um, But, of course, you know, game skill and gun skill can only take you so far, like I said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is good to know. Also, this is not a technical question at all, but still kind of esportsy. Maybe it's not even a question. Maybe this is like a statement. This is my like tinfoil hat going on. I think the name <laughs> you're talking about, Thug, Tupac, Thug Lord, Jakur, the the second or whatever his name is. <laughs> and I'm like, man, sometimes I'm at these events and I'm like, it's 
I wonder if the names are a barrier. There's like two things I think are like a barrier to esports, like breaking into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. One, goddamn Totino's and Mountain Dew. If we don't get rid of the fucking pizza rolls <laughs> and the Mountain Dew, like it's like man, it's never gonna. This is, parents yeah. are never gonna co-sign this. It's so unhealthy. But then the other thing is the players' names: XX Thug Lord and X, you know, Lil Yachty B <laughs> Seven. And I'm like, man, Baby Tron ass. Simp. It's right. Sip. <laughs> Sip. Like is great but also like the thing about your name is that's not a like a word mm-hmm. that we love to use. uh <laughs> yeah. so yeah again maybe not even a question but an observation where i'm like damn how do they get that ironed out it's like such a core part of gamer mm-hmm. culture but it also is such a core part of the turnoff of gaming culture sometimes i see guys on 2k we were joking about having a new segment where anton just brings in the the 10 worst 2k names he sees every week 2k has the worst names i've ever seen to be honest <laughs> i see some incredible ones dude <laughs> And it, like it, it randomly tells you a bit about the person. You got the mad mm-hmm. XX drug lord guy, and I'm like, you trees. I hate this person. And then sometimes <laughs> they just got something funny, like our second shout out in a, in a row. But our boy Kevin Ray, oh Kevin Ray Cyrus, <laughs> that we knew he was gonna. We knew what it was. We knew what it was with that guy. We're dying, uh, bro. We loaded in the wreck with this dude named Kevin Ray, and he was a bucket. <laughs> like Kevin Kevin Ray, Kevin Ray got the hot hand, man. Just give Fair it to enough. him. And so the man with two first names. The build like that boy from uh, High School Musical. Shit was killing me. He had the bowl cut. <laughs> the white guy with the bowl wow, cut. Zach he was a bucket. Uh, our guy. Okay, all right. We got super far off track, but that's uh, kind of the point here because we had some good conversation. So that's how you started at Phase. How mm-hmm. about, and you, again, you mentioned it a bit, right? There's so much you could do over there. How did you get involved with Thieves and what did that process look like? Yeah, so after Phase, uh, and I wanted to just, you know, expand my horizons, um, an old co-worker of mine was currently on Hunter Thieves and they were hiring for a bunch of content positions. And I was looking, already looking at them for like my next job because I still think like they're the peak of esports. Like they're who everyone wants to join and everyone wants to be a part of. Like every content creator goes on that team to, you know, just excel like partnerships with YouTube, uh, like every brand known to man. So I thought that was just like the next place to go, the best next place to go. Uh, so I got the job through her and I joined them as the content curator producer for LA Thieves, the Call of Duty team, and also just helping out with the overall YouTube strategy. And I think I was there for about six months. And then, um, as everyone knows, as public knowledge, they had a lot of layoffs. Um, so I just wanted to kind of just separate myself from that space. And I also wanted to, you know, get into more of the tech side, the more entertainment and building brands. I really love doing that at FaZe, uh, starting out with that franchise team. So that's how I found Subnation. That makes sense. I did want to ask you a bit about those layoffs because there was some stuff recently going on. Uh, but before that, I wanted to check in. How did how did your boys at FaZe, your, your boys and girls, how did your people at FaZe feel about <laughs> that transition? Was that, a, was that a little bit of a, that hurt them a little bit? Yeah, it was tough. Like, I was really sad for a while, but I knew, it, like, trajectory, like, I needed to make that decision. Like, I just couldn't see myself making Call of Duty content forever after I feel like I've done everything I could for the brand um, in the state that it was. But, yeah, it was, it was really hard. I still talk to people on that team. Like, every time I go to an event, I went to Champs last year for Thieves, but I was still hanging out with my FaZe boys, like, I still miss them. I, we had the best times in that facility. But yeah, it was, it was a tough time uh, separating myself. Damn, I didn't even. know you were there. I was there with uh, I was there with John Sen in my in my favorite oh, nice. to watch them lose again, which was fucking tough. We're like, we're gonna go, we're gonna party after this. Like, we're going to the house and we're gonna. And then the match ended, and they're like, yeah, next time, man, forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> every time. Uh, but yeah, fair enough, man. Those are the two, and like it, it has been weird, right? Like. Phase, you know, they built the they built the brand the way they built the brand, kind of flipping their heritage into into what became a you know a business, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to cover that in the pod today. Their stock is in trouble, um, but then you know, thieves came in and was a, a kind of able to kind of copy the strategy a little bit, but kind of refine it again. I think one mm-hmm. big stage is like getting the team in LA was huge, right? You want to yep. be here where all the stuff is, all the companies are mm-hmm. had big names like Drake involved, and they picked the right personalities. It reminds me a little bit of the the Nike Adidas story, right? Where like Adidas yep. had this long heritage and really invented this industry. And Nike is like, oh, you could do that? What if I did that over in the States though? Like you guys are over in Germany doing that. What if we brought it where the culture is and kind of copied the playbook, but truly took it forward, right? And it's like, I wonder how that handoff goes. 
it's been interesting to watch phase you know everybody mature and they went through a lot of stuff and like the crypto time too i was just looking at um there's been some like older phase guys that i've been unfollowing recently because some of their stuff is just getting kind of cringe yeah mm-hmm. even like like uh k and jarvis and i was like oh man some of this stuff like i'm not into it for like the internet of it all like i was following the gamers you know mm-hmm. so it's but interesting to watch them evolve, but of course not going away anywhere, right? Then they right. get the deal with Disney and the deal with mm-hmm. Porsche. And it's like, man, they're huge. Uh, but really interesting to watch Thieves alongside that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like Phase is also launched like a collab with LeBron and a Nike shoe coming out. So like, yeah, they're yeah, Bronny's just... in Bronny's in yep, Phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But right. Hunter Thieves, like the Gucci, the Lexus partnerships, like just how well they've like diversified their portfolio and like getting non-endemic brands into the space in like a seamless way. I think that's the way esports and just the gaming industry as a whole is going to go. You're going to see a lot more product placement and sponsorships. Like I, I know for a fact, like in the next three, four years, like we're going to start seeing ads like within video games, like billboards, uh, plastered posters on the wall, like for like real life ads. So. That's I our think business. that's the way it's going to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have uh, two things on that. I have one as yet. Uh, well, I can't say what it is yet because it's still confidential, but it's like the biggest fucking game on the planet. And I, that's the very last ad campaign I ran at Adidas is inside the game. It's like a yep. scale. If you could guess here, it's like a scale scale replica of New York City. I mean, only so many games do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, we'll be able to see it. Again, it still hasn't come out. I did this. You know, I left them almost a year ago. And it still doesn't come out for another like eight months, but it's going to come out and it's, it's a real life ad campaign for our real products inside this you know, gamified New York. But, you know, to mm-hmm. your point, that's happening. That's a bit of the business that we're in now. Right. That's kind of some of what we're doing. Yep. Another uh, story from the same same era. I was I was like tearing my hair out trying to get. So I had phase plan in Adidas like the deal was there, like it was there. Like I had it all the way back to Germany, like the deal was ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it, like literally, we had a contract. I think I can say this now, but they can't fire me, so I don't care. Uh, we we had a contract <laughs> on the table, like literally on the physical table when COVID kicked off, Cheers. and then everything shut down. Like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, and I'm like, no, 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 this is the time. This is the time to do it. Gaming's gonna go, and then everything's Adidas gonna go on gaming. Yeah, mm-hmm. Adidas said, stop everything. Fire anybody that's not an actual employee. Get rid of all the contractors. We got to hold on to our money because we don't know what's happening. Right? You Damn. have to shut down stores across the globe. So they said no. That's the perfect time too. Um, so I was telling them, I was like, "You guys, you don't understand. We can get Bronny James in Adidas. I'm telling you, we can get Bronny <laughs> in Adidas. This phase, right? This Bron phase shoe. It would be mm-hmm. an Adidas, be a Bad Bunny phase shoe. Like, oh man, we could have swiped the king's the king's prince from out from underneath him. You could have." Uh, it was there. Ugh, I'm hurt. Um, before we get to those layoffs, I did want to ask, though, uh, most memorable experience at Thieves? Uh, it's funny because both FaZe and Thieves, like probably just being on the stage when we won champs, like those are just cool experiences, like wanting to be a professional Call of Duty player when I was like 13 and seeing like the the first event I think I saw was MLG Dallas uh, when Scump and Aix were on Quantum Leverage, like a long time ago but like seeing them up on stage like winning that event like i was like wow i want to be that and like just being able to do that like twice on like the biggest stage in call of duty was just a really cool experience for me so did you get a ring not from thieves but i got one from phase <laughs> i i see yeah. it's still phase up here we're still going with mm-hmm. the face they're giving out the <laughs> yeah. jewelry trying to see the chain where's the chains at uh trying to get them pc chains out here um, but okay, yeah, then la- last piece on Thieves there, you know, I know, and you said they went through some layoffs. Was there two rounds of layoffs? Cause I just saw the big layoffs like like a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I wonder yeah. how you felt about that. And then is, was there two rounds or just kind of the one? There was there was two um, that I know of. The one that I was part of was when I first left. And like, that was also just my first experience of layoffs. Like I've always heard of, you know, people getting laid off and like, I always thought that was a terrible thing to go a part of, which it is, but like actually being within that happening, like it was just a crazy, like eye-opening experience for me. Like, yeah, you know, people love their jobs, like jobs, you know, love, you know, having them part of the atmosphere and the family, but like anything can happen. Like there's like no one's safe, like anything can happen to anyone. So I was like, it kind of shook me. Like I was just like really sad for a while, like seeing people lose their jobs, like not out of, you know, any of their own performance, but like just, you know, the way of the business, like it was just like tough to see. So getting out of that, like helped me 
like kind of understand like hey like jobs are always be around like i could you know try something new for the next five years and i'll be only 30 like i have so much time to do whatever i want um but just understanding that like you know life is short and like finding something you love while also making the most amount of money and the most amount of free time is like everyone's goal i think at the end of the day but yeah it was just tough to see but there was two layoffs my friend was actually part of the second one but yeah, I don't know the exact number, but it, it was a lot of a lot of layoffs. That's all I can say. It's a it's a wild time, man. It, it is a little bit, and we've been talking about that on the pod. It's it, you know, it's I mean, even bigger than that. It's a macroeconomic change, but certainly mm-hmm. in our space, and our space is one that grew so big during the pandemic. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "It's here to stay. It's going to be great." And then uh, things aren't great. You know, it's like how we're going to make money, and some of them aren't, and it, it's kind of bleak out there, but. Like you were saying, I think the skill sets are still really, really relevant and important. Yeah, I think too, like COVID, I think it helped a lot for gaming, but also really destroyed a lot for gaming because before COVID, like the 2018, 2019, when franchising was first started, like everyone was trying to just be the biggest name. Like what's the biggest thing we can do to gain, you know, a following? Like everyone was trying to build a brand. Everyone started at zero. So it was all about who could do the coolest things, who could do the best stunts. And that was just spending money just burning money getting like mansions for team houses you know people want to get you know team branded sprinter vans helicopters Mm -hmm. like spending whatever they want um uh, facilities to get you know the most views the most hype like oh this is the coolest team out right now and like all that money like obviously having to buy in for you know 25 50 million like that's so much money up front and then COVID happens and you lose all your sponsorships you lose all of your you know sales you don't sell any jerseys because there's no events no one sees your events happening it's all online uh so all that revenue just goes away and then you know unfortunately all that drama and the scandals of activism blizzard happen and all the sponsorship deals go away Uh, the coca-colas the hps everyone cuts ties of activision so you have no money coming in from like an outside perspective and it just turns into no revenue. And of course, you know, when people aren't making any money, they're not gonna, you know, cut the players, they're not gonna cut the teams, they're gonna cut the staff. So it's just like a byproduct of just terrible, I think, planning early on in the 2018s, 2019s. Growing a little bit too quick, right? Like you're mm-hmm. saying about you're gonna cut staff, staff stays around. Yeah. Players, you know, they have a short half-life. You only, mm-hmm. you only, uh, you know, you're only as good as you are. Right. As yep. soon as you're not so good, it's like, well, you're cut and you know why. Yeah. Hard to do that with staff. Like, man, you know, well, we didn't win. And, you know, your KD was low. You can't do that with staff. They just stick around and eat up that insurance money. So mm-hmm. it is it's tough to see people that that love the game. Right. People like yourself and like myself and all of us here that grew up in this and really are dedicated. The true faces of the brand, like right. the players are just like a persona, like but the people who run the brand, you see everything that happens behind the scenes. Like those are the people you're letting go. And it just sucks to see. Right. I just think that in the music industry all the time, people be like, oh, those are the suits. And they'd be like, every person here lives for this. Like nobody yeah. comes to work at a record label like that doesn't <laughs> like, you know, how many people want to work here. You have to live this shit. It's mm-hmm. really hard. We know music. There are random people that become famous artists. There's nobody random that works at the label. You have exactly. to work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Well, shoot, man, it has been tough. But again, like, like we said, that 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 insight, right? What they know, we even do that at work now. There's so much content creation we do that I, that's like, uh, we, how much do we talk about Riverside at work? We're like, there's easier ways to do this. Like we, mm-hmm. we know how to do this. Just let us do it. The, the skill sets are really relevant and we'll stick around and having an understanding of that culture, right? Even how the world of 2K and things like that work is, is creating more and more opportunity for us. So we'll, we'll stick it out. For sure. Transitioning just a tiny bit. I got some questions about kind of like the current state of things. And then we're going to wrap it up with some fun stuff there. Um, cool. I did want to check though. What do you think about, you know, we, and we talked about it a bit, you know, talking about the layoffs, but what do you think about the current state of CDL? Well, I just actually heard it's going back to YouTube apparently. So I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Right. I think if it does happen, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, they definitely are doing it for the lack of money. Like going from YouTube to Twitch, they saw like a 10x amount of viewers like going back to Twitch. All the watch parties, like Scump's watch party, I think hit 100,000 views yesterday. Like their collective like live viewership is insane. And like going back to YouTube where they had maybe 20,000 at like their peak times, 40,000, 50,000. Like I don't see any like ROI on that. So 
I don't know. I don't think the future of it's doing well, especially if all these teams are laying people off. Like, you got to wonder, like, what's next for, like, the brands? Like, teams are going to, like, start selling off. Like, are they going to start, you know, transferring ownership? Like, I, I don't know. So I hope the league does well. It's doing great right now. Uh, I think the weekend's about to start for a champ Sunday for a major two. And I think it's Boston's homestand. I think it looks great. So teams are still doing well in the event category. But in terms of, like, the macro of the league, I don't know. If it goes back to YouTube, it might be failed. Not failed, but pretty fucked. <laughs> Right. It feels like a tough time. I wonder, again, the, the game changes so quick. It's hard to latch onto. And like, mm-hmm. like a Madden or a FIFA where it's like, we know what we're looking for. It's like it changes so much. Every year. Uh, but, mm-hmm. Right. And, and I guess kind of on that, kind of on the, on the same notion there, what do you think about COD itself right now? A lot of, a lot of conversation about, you know, again, the, the gun tuning and the game modes. We just heard they're, they're kind of wiping your, your progress for DMZ. What do you think about the game itself? Um, I, I could talk about this for hours from my own perspective, but um, I don't know. I just think like the games now from the top, I think they're so like worried of like having like fan sentiment be so bad. Like they're overcomplicating trying to make like the next best game. Like every game just seems so like overcomplicated. Like the past three games, I, th- I will say this Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is the my favorite game I've played in like the past four years. But ever since like the first MW, like every game has just seemed way too overcomplicated. Like from the menus, they just hired like a bunch of like streaming service executives and like creatives like from Hulu, uh, HBO. And that's why you you see like on the game now, like why it looks like a streaming service, all the blocks like going down and like swiping to all the different categories, like the DMZ, multiplayer, Hulu, like it's all like a streaming service. This doesn't make any sense. And like the gun tuning, like why are there 80 red dot sites for one gun? Like it doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't know. I think the game's just becoming like too like consumer friendly and too like the, the noob favorite game because everything is favorite for someone who doesn't play the game or someone who doesn't have the advantage. Like you go into a public match, skill-based matchmaking. You're, you're playing against players who haven't got off the game in a week, like players that need to touch grass. And then if you play with someone else that played for, you know, five minutes, you play the worst players you've ever seen. So I just think they're just catering, like, the player way too much, not having, like, an actual competitive experience. The games take way too long to add updates. They just delayed Season 2, I think, another two weeks. Like, it's coming out on the 15th, I believe, and it's supposed to come out mm-hmm. on the 1st. So I just don't think they're in the right space to keep making games. I'm glad that they're having this game for a two-year cycle. It's the first time Call of Duty's ever done that, so we'll see how that goes over. But I think they need to start allowing developers to just finish the game. Like, it's clear that they're coming out unfinished, and it, like, sucks to see for having, you know, uh, a developer that brings in a billion dollars of revenue each year. Like, what are they spending that money on? (laughs) But at the same time, like, just give us a game that, we are proud to play, but also you're proud to, you know, sell to, to people because like we're going to buy it anyway. Like it's a consumer's market. Like you can hate the game so much, but we're, we're still going to buy it. But at least like finish the game. That's all I, I can say. I swear Anton said like exactly that last week. He was like, just if it's going to be a beta, then just be a beta and test it. Yeah. That's fine. We'll mm-hmm. wait. Like we'll wait. Yeah. But if it's not done, don't sell it. Don't sell it out here at full price and say it's done and then not be done. And then mm-hmm. we were saying that this first season kind of felt like a like a beta test. Like, actually, we're going to go the gulag the other way. And actually, we're going to – they made mad changes to, like, so you weren't serious about what you gave us. You know, and you if you notice, like, too, like, they keep doing they, – they've been doing more and more, like, hot patches, like, daily bug fixes. Like, it seems yep. like they're still, like, finishing the game, like, while it's out. Mm-hmm. Let me get a hot three-year cycle, you know what I mean? Give us one year as a test phase, two years of a real game. I'm cool with that. I'd be mm-hmm. cool. Where the hell are the patch notes? Seriously. Like, <laughs> if anything, like, when the game comes out, you have three years to make it. Like, either just keep the same game you had the previous cycle and just make new DLC, new maps, new whatever, new guns. But, like, if you're making a brand new game, like, the, the games that go from, like, boots on the ground to jetpacks, like, that's a whole new, like, character model you have to build out from scratch. Like, mm-hmm. in three years, like, either it's going to be polished or it's going to be in, like, still the pre-alpha phases. Like, there's no in-between. As long as it's not Battlefield, all right? That's all we're going to 
that just that's gotta hurt so bad. Talk about getting layoffs. Everybody's fired. Every I'm yeah. going Ari Gold on them. Everybody's fired and you're getting <laughs> shot with the darts. Oh man, he's playable uh, now have, though. Is it? Did they finally it, they screwed the pooch, man? I gave up on that shit. It's a meme to me now. It's it's one of those things where it's like I almost I'm I'm happy that they cater to their like their audience, but it yeah. almost annoys me when companies start backtracking. And doing things to cater to their audience, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like the virtue signaling, like, like just like the the fan, uh, the fan servicing, like with Battlefield. Like I actually really enjoyed like the beta when it came out. Like it was really yeah. fun. And then like when the game came out, like it seemed like they deleted half their files. Like it, it was worse than the beta. Like everything was crashing. Like the game didn't work. There were so many bugs. Like I remember for like a month. Like all of Twitter was just Battlefield 2042 memes. Like it was so funny, but. I don't know. Like, I loved Battlefield for a while. Like, it was a lot of fun to play, but I don't know. I just think they try to service, like, being so different for so long. They did the same thing like Call of Duty with the whole your character, customization, Mm -hmm. weapon. It's the same thing. And it's like, I come from, like, two of my favorite games. They're not mainstream games. They're Ark and DayZ. Mm -hmm. Both of those games have crazy learning curves. Like, they don't cater to you. If you just don't figure it out, you die and you just throw that (laughs) game away or whatever. You know, and they haven't changed it at all. They stick yep. to their model and that's it. And I love that about those. It's mm-hmm. like, look, either you learn it or you don't. It's like, so having these new era of games where it's like, oh, we're going to do this. And then we're going to backtrack it to this and keep changing it and changing it. It's like, come on, man. Like, like pick a just lane. keep the learning curve. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's why we all loved it. That's why we loved about Battlefield and Call of Duty originally was the learning curve in those games. And it's like when the line just keeps getting pushed. And it's pushed, all it's gone. Like, yeah. That's what I hear about. It always surprises me a little bit, but that's what I hear about Apex. And like mm-hmm. Jarrell, I was out. Of, I was mm-hmm. you know heavy in music for a while. When I got back into gaming, that was like one of the first newer ga- like newer games that I played. I just like yep. dropped in. I'd never played a BR before. I'd never mm-hmm. played Fortnite. Nothing. And I was like, what is happening? I got killed by the storm because I was like, what is the storm? <laughs> what the fuck? But either way, like people talk about that game with the learning curve, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just so many years in. But it's true. But that's what I love about it. Like I'm. If you're brand new to that game, you've never played it. I'm doing some different shit. Like we're all. It builds that obsession, like the the obsession that we had, like when we were in our teens and stuff like that. Like you want to get better. Like everyone hates getting shit on in any video game. So like just doing that over and over, you're like, okay, I'm gonna either a get good at the game and just get my revenge, or I'm just gonna quit this because the learning curve's too much. (laughs) Like it's either or. Fam, I've been on it. I've been I'm following like the mouse and keyboard chronicles over here where I'm like, no, nice. no, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm gonna I'm just being here in pubs, just get my ass kicked. Just get my what, ass what kicked. What would you rate your guys' mouse and keyboard skills from one to ten? Non existent. Uh <laughs> I'm gonna give myself I'm at like a five point five right now. I've been really grinding though. Okay. Is it just Apex you guys are playing right now or what else? I've been playing most well. Let, let them speak too, but I've been playing mostly Call of Duty because it's the you know multiplayer is the quickest. Mm-hmm. I can die and yeah. come back, die and come back. Mm-hmm. I can't be doing no Apex. I got to load out and load back in. That's <laughs> and there's also it's interesting, but talk about learning curve. There's a ton of other shit to do in Apex. Mm-hmm. Like I got to know my passive. I got I'm trying to shoot grappling hooks. I'm trying yeah, to pop abilities, you know, shield cells. There's there's mad other things to to know. Uh, mm-hmm. But Call of Duty, I can get a lot more point and shoot. And I'm just now like just yesterday I was and i was on shipyard i finally got 50 plus i was like yes let's go i, I finally was top ranked in there i took a picture of that shit like yes <laughs> it's starting to feel like second nature i was doing you know i'm hopping over things turning around and doing shit on purpose mm-hmm. where for like a little John while, you're just like, there's so many buttons on keyboard you're just like hold on what, what if you have to read it and then go press the button you're dead like you're you can't, dead, you can't yeah. be like you gotta press Especially shipment you're dead in 0.5 seconds Fam, it's done. So yeah, just yesterday I had my best shipment performance by a mile, but uh, I'm getting there. Okay, okay. Uh, I would say same. Uh, I actually just started getting into Apex too. Uh, Apex, Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the only one that doesn't have PC, so they always get on me about getting one and jumping over to Valorant and, and shit like that. But uh, a little bit of Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been hearing is the learning curve with that. And then uh, a little bit of Rainbow Six, actually. Just redownloaded that. I've been trying to get back. That's my that. favorite game. I love that game. Love it. I used to go so sweat on that. But again, that's another crazy learning curve in that game. You need to like, you need to take the leaning, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I yeah, can't. So. Shay, er, uh, Anton, you played Shad's PC a couple times though, right? Neil, back when he got it? No? Mm-mm. That was like my first time playing on mouse and keyboard was just messing around with your PC, like trying to get it. Shad, where you at? What, one to 10, boyo. Probably like seven and a half. Ooh, okay. he's spicy. Professional up there. He's been living uh, there longer. I, I, he's the longest. 
I'd give People myself probably the same. I really only am good at like CS, terrible at Valorant. Like that game. That was the first game I played. Okay. Like, FPS wise, mm-hmm. CS. CS. I love one CS. One point five, 1.6. 1.6 is when I started too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Overwatch. Overwatch two. I love. Like I hate Overwatch one. I'd rage probably every second game. I'd get on. <laughs> Overwatch two. Way better than that one. I give that five stars. But I remember when I first started mouse and keyboard, I thought I was like an alien like i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> like i couldn't move i couldn't shoot like i literally thought i was like mechanically inept for at least like a month and then Damn. it started gr- gradually getting better looking you know, like a bot in the lobby <laughs> i like i was trying to relearn how to use my broken hand like oh this is not going oh, i just yeah. finally got these like little inside buttons down where i'm like using <laughs> yeah. them using them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah you gotta use the shit you have dork <laughs> i'm just starting to get there, the keybinds mm-hmm I'm on Valorant. I like. I'm. Emba- I'm too embarrassed to play. I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm like. I need to get. Like, is there a beginner's lobby so you guys know? I had such a bad match the other day, but I was like, I'm literally a level one. So, mm-hmm. like, if you guys could just forgive me. <laughs> and Valorant is a game that is, is unforgiving. Like, you'll be level one if like level three hundreds in your lobby. It's so bad. You die so Ooh. fast in that game. You die so <laughs> like. If you get seen, you're dead. Instant. That's it. If you get seen, you're dead. I didn't know how to use the abilities at all. I was like the fire dude just because he's black. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Phoenix. I black <laughs> and I, I forgot to use my – after the match, I was sitting there like looking at my score like, God, I'm so bad. And I was like, damn, if I play with somebody who didn't use their abilities one time, I would mm-hmm. be like, man, what are you here for? Like, what it's are you raging. Doing? Those poor – you know, before we start, they're just all looking at me with their guns like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm old. I'm bad. Uh, all right, uh, just a couple to wrap it up. I know you got you got some champs going on today. Don't want to keep you forever and ever. No worries. But staying on you for a second, what are your long-term goals in gaming, right? What are your, like, 10-year-plus 10, 10 goals if they're to stay in gaming or be around it? What's your long-term goals? Yeah, I mean, I would love to eventually get back to, like, esports in some capacity. Probably not from a team perspective, but from, like, a league point of view, like, whether it be, like, a creator-producer, like, it's broadcasting, programming like just forming like a brand um content wise that'd be a dream to do like owning that as like the creative director um still want to stay within like the production and like content space um another life of me would would love to work in like tv and film as like a producer or like um like a gaffer or something in the production um i love making just short films and short film ideas. And I think like creating that as a living would be really cool, but I don't know something still within gaming for sure as a producer or a content creator. I'm ready for CDL, the movie, you know what I mean? Produced by Jarrell. I'm ready for that. CDL documentary. I think CDL could have a great reality show. Like all the personalities would be hilarious. That's where I'm at. It's like, where's the reality show? And even yeah. like, I wonder, I wonder if you could have fun. I could see that on uh, I could see it like an HBO, like the mm-hmm. office style sports where it's like kind of funny with it you know yeah mm-hmm. making fun of the well not making fun of making fun with the personalities rather i could I think that's honestly what it would need because i mean yeah. like for like me with like interviews. f1 mm-hmm. i didn't know anything about f1 but watching the show on netflix has got me totally invested in them exactly. and the drivers and seeing them behind mm-hmm. the scenes and the struggles through the season leading up to each race and afterwards and the coaches like now that'd be really cool on like a personal level they should do yeah, that'd be fire i like that right, i never thought of that years. You heard it here first. <laughs> Go ahead and make sure we get our royalties on that, though. You know, exactly. I don't even need the money. Just put me in the credits. I'll take that. Uh, and then there's a kind of a fun way to close out here. I'll do some quick fire questions. Uh, so don't don't overthink it. Right? Just hit us with the with whatever right. comes first. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Crash or Spyro? Spyro. Mega Man or Sonic? Mega Man. Pokemon or Zelda? Pokemon. I was Battle just watching Pokemon. Pokemon XY last night. <laughs> Fair enough. I just got back on with that Brilliant Pearl, I think it is. Okay. Uh, Battlefield or PUBG? Battlefield. Comic-Con or E3? E3. Madden or 2K? 2K. N64 or GameCube? N64. Hey, Fortnite or Apex? I suck at Fortnite, so Apex. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Mario Kart or Mario Party? Ooh, Mario Kart. Hey, Switch or Steam Deck? What do you got there? Switch. God of War or Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Creed. You got to go with Assassin's Creed. We're learning about you. Horizon or Elden Ring? I've never played both, but Elden Ring. 
hey, I like that. Brand mm-hmm. is strong. MP4 or RPK? RPK. Favorite game of all time. Don't overthink it. Batman Arkham Knight. Ah, there yeah, it is. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> I was not ready for that. Great game. <laughs> oh, man, that was fantastic. Again, we really enjoyed our time with you. Thank you for, for carving out some space for us. And truly, for I learned sure. a ton. So we might need to have you back for our esports inside the esports pod because I got I'll be here. questions. We'll have him come on back, man. Thank you so much. Boy, else, anything, anything from y'all? Oh, man, we're going to have to get your gamer tag on the side, bro. Appreciate yeah, you doing this. Play, for sure. Yeah, come through. Until next time, this has been the No Randoms Podcast on the Comic-Con Radio Network. We're out. Peace. No Randoms.